What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the Sheehan Show here on Shardog.com. My name is Sean Sheehan, and today we are looking ahead to the second uh, playoff round of the 2023 PFL season. It goes down on August the 18th at Madison Square Garden, uh, the famous arena over in uh, over in beautiful New York, and. As always with the PFL, when it comes to the playoffs, it's it's an interesting card and an interesting time, I suppose, because, um, you know, we have four big fights at the top of this uh, card, and we have, I suppose, some of maybe the up-and-comers, and also a few of not-so-up-and-comers on this card as well, so it's a, it's a very interesting one, I suppose, to, to whet the appetite, aren't And I think for the PFL... They really need a big into this season. I, I think the last few uh, playoff cards could be good. And when we get into, obviously, the, the grand finale at the end is with so many uh, million dollars and belts and championships up on the line. It's always uh, amazing. But I, I do think they need it. It's been, you know, it's been a year with a lot of downs, you know, compared to other years, and obviously ups as well with some great fights and some great, some great underdog wins as well. And you know, Pinedo we saw last week standing out as, or two weeks ago even standing out as well. But I think with PFL though, you always cannot bank on the finale being good. But if a couple of cards come up, they could be um, good as well. That that'd be uh, that'd be fantastic. And not to say the cards haven't been good, but you know, we all know like with the with the drug test failures and all that happened down through the years, and like some of their through the year even and some of their best fighters I suppose bowing out of the the competition either through that or through losing it's been tough but as I said uh, previously on, on one of these videos I think like you look at it this way and you're going to have some amazing stories you're going to have guys that maybe were in the the wilderness in, in other organizations or in the wilderness in PFL and now they have this massive opportunity to win a million quid like that is absolutely fantastic and that's something I think every uh, everyone involved in MMA and every MMA fan and all would love to see you know someone who maybe didn't expect to get all this uh, <laughs> this amount of money getting it you know and especially this week I think I know a lot of people have been tuning into the coverage of the uh, the UFC antitrust lawsuit and you know I think really Really thinking again about how underpaid these fighters are and how badly treated the fighters are, uh, you know, mostly the UFC because they have the most money and all. But in a world where that exists, to have somewhere like PFL who'll be uh, who'll be making multiple multiple millionaires this year again, it's brilliant. It's brilliant, and like we can, you know, you, you could say what you want about uh, everything, I suppose. But that is uh, that is brilliant, and I I, I think it's part of. I think what makes people who are real MMA fans love the PFL as well, you know, and instead of lads like oh, I, want, I want this 50 grand because I need it to survive you've lads like right I win a couple of fights and I'm going to get a million you know that's absolutely massive and I honestly I think that's probably understated in terms of people covering PFL and looking ahead to to these cards and saying like that's a main reason why PFL uh, are um are someone you you know you you'd like to continue to see doing well going forward, and I'd say the same for Bellator, you know, but other organizations as well. We want to see them all doing well going forward, and as I said with my last Bellator preview, I'll say it again here: like the PFL Bellator merger, is it going to happen? Is it a thing? Is it just reports or whatever? I suppose we will see on that, but. With that said, as well, you are all of these people in these playoffs, and you're fighting for, you know your future as well as the the, the the long future as well as the, the short future because like 
if if there's a merger, there's going to be a lot of fighters there. Like, are they going to run multiple tournaments? Is there going to be a real fight to get into the tournaments? Are they going to keep doing tournaments or not? Who knows? So there's extra jeopardy, I think, on the line for all of these fighters as well as we enter uh, as we enter into these cards. And with that said, the heavyweights are main eventing here. And again, I'll, I, I've said this uh, at the start of the year, but I'll say it again now. Uh, it's absolutely massive for the heavyweights this year compared to other years, and even bigger this year because you have that elixir of Francis Ngannou. Like, who is Francis going to fight? It feels like every possible fight that comes up that people talk about kind of goes by the wayside you know you had uh phil the freeze one a couple of weeks ago in ksw and everyone's like oh do you know what he's on a what 10 fight win streak in terms of uh i think even more of a win streak but 10 uh tile defenses like could that happen and then there was like not much talk of it and i think it kind of got poo-pooed so that's probably not gonna happen oh derek lewis he's out of contract could he? and then yeah there's a report he signed a new what was an eight fight contract with the ufc um and every sort of thing like and the one thing that has kind of always been the constant is there's a heavyweight tournament going on here and maybe the winner of this heavyweight tournament could be the person. And it's, uh, I said this before, but I'll say it again if you if you haven't watched the old videos, you get a million for winning this, right? But what if you get Francis Ngannou? He has that, that thing in his contract. Remember from a few weeks ago where he guarantees his opponent two million? So if you win the tournament this year, maybe it's a three million win, you know? So that's this is massive. There's probably like this could be the biggest tournament in the history of MMA. If you think about it. Now maybe it won't, maybe Francis will end up fighting someone else. But it could be. It really could be. So you really you know, the the four lads fighting here on uh, on Friday night. Um could uh, ESPN Plus, I believe, in America and uh, the zone here in uh, in Ireland, UK, and other places as well. Check your local listings for further uh, information. But there could be, you know, win this fight and you get to the finale, like, and that's the biggest fight of your career before the biggest fight of your career. It was not mad. Like, let's say that happens. Let's see if Francis is there. You call him out, and you're going to be the next guy. Like. <sighs> That is massive. Like, as I said, the biggest fight of your career sets up the biggest fight of your career, which is twice as big with tw <laughs> at least twice the pay. Absolutely amazing. So what an opportunity for these guys in the heavyweight division. Let's start and talk about, I suppose, the two heavyweight fights. Uh, first of all, in the main event, we have Finin Fehea against, uh, Arginin Fehea even, against Maurice Green. Um, it's... A big bet in favour is Fahea, minus 750, plus 550 for Green. I thought Fahea would be the favourite, uh, and he is definitely my pick, but would I have him that big a favourite? I don't think so, and here's a reason for it, right? You look at him and Fahea, and the reason you pick him initially to win all these fights, uh, and we'll get into all the reasons, but um, it is his size. He's just so much bigger than everyone else. But he doesn't have that over Murray Screen. Murray Screen's seven, uh, seven foot, six foot seven, uh, for here, six foot eight. So there isn't that much of a difference uh, between them and all. Now, when they get in there, maybe it looks more than an inch. You know that that often happens as well. But it's not the five, six inch reach advantage he has over some people, or even three or four. It's not going to be that. So I think that it, at the, at the very start of it adds a different dimension to this fight than most fights for Hinnan uh, Hinnan for here. Um, I think. 
as a matchup, it's pretty interesting as well. You look at Murray's screen, right? And he, okay, he lost to Ante Delia the last time, and it's very obviously it's very unfortunate that Ante Delia. You know, I think he, what, what was it? He only got one fight in the uh, regular season, so he didn't make it into the playoffs. But he's not in it, even though he he had a win over him. But he beat Marcelo Nunes, and he looked as good in that fight, I think, uh, as he has maybe ever looked. I think uh, people could argue that. Um, you know. Last year, obviously, he fought uh, Dennis Golsov, which is never, uh, never a great guy to fight, as we'll talk about uh, in a minute as well. But look, he is a guy who's had an iffy record down through the years. Make no mistake about that. You know, won a few fights in the UFC, lost a few fights in the UFC, and has always kind of been that uh, what do they call it? That five hundred ish type of fighter. Um, but it's. It, it, it's always, I think, him playing the big guy maybe in fights. Let's see how he is maybe playing a game where he is kind of sniping in there and trying to land the you know the, the big shot inside rather than trying to land the big shot from the outside. Now, I said earlier on he's the same size uh, or, or similar enough size, and that's the uh, uh, problema for the problema in uh, him But maybe kind of plays the other way around as well. You can do different things. And maybe Fahea will try to do uh, slightly different things as well. I suppose we, we will see on that. But for Green, look, you look at his record, and for a heavyweight, I suppose he's not the biggest knockout artist in the world. What, 19 fights? Only three wins by knockout uh, in that, you know, three of 11, six submissions and stuff. So, you know, maybe it'll be looking to get the fight to the ground. Maybe it'll be looking to just get it you know, into a bit of a sloppy one and see how it can go. You know, he trains with John Jones. He's a, a good guy to train with. Now that John is up to heavyweight as well, maybe that's a little bit of an advantage for uh, for Green as well. But it's uh, it's going to be a tough. Like I, I'm a big fan. Anyone who has uh, listened to these shows down through the the last couple of years knows how big a fan I am of uh, Hinan Fahea. He's uh, Everything you'd want in a big, tall heavyweight, really. You know what is he now? Ten and uh, ten and three. Um, if you're wondering why I'm looking around here, right? <laughs> I'm I, as you can see from my background, things are kind of changing here, and I'm in the in the middle of uh, switching everything around, and my camera has a different position than normal. It will everything will be back to normal uh, by the next video, hopefully. But yeah, I'm kind of looking around here. It's just blocking my screen. <laughs> my screen so apologies for that if you're probably noticing what's he looking around at but uh yeah t- t- fair, 10 and 3 you know uh, 8 out of 10 fine knockout 9 out of 10 inside uh the distance as well so and even he's you know he's his few shots that are his few um fights that he has lost you know uh, two of the three have been uh inside the uh inside the distance as well so he's not a guy that sees the end too much you know uh, in fact it's when is it back in 2021 against uh carl uh who he went to a decision with last and he, he won that obviously but look when you go in there against Hinefehea, you know what you're going in there against right you're going in there against the guy who hits like an absolute truck is massive in size throws those big uh up kicks right up through the middle, <laughs> teeps and everything like that. Now it's head again. Maurice Green trains with John Jones. No better buckle, no better man. <laughs> I went a bit Irish there. to to train with for that for a guy who throws kicks up through the middle, who throws teeps, who uses his length than John Jones to prepare for that. But he's he's also a bit different to John Jones, and that Jones doesn't have like 
I suppose the the ungodly power or the the level of like fast twitch athleticism. Jones is obviously a very good athlete, but a different sort of athlete to uh, to Hinn and Fahey as well. Um, look, you're looking at this fight and you're thinking, how is it going to play out? Um, and it's very hard to see Fahey not getting the early knockout here. I think. Um, you look at the wins over the last few years. Um, Sheffield round one. Uh, early what 50 seconds in Jamel Jones one round one Austin round one and go on you know it's uh it's one of those fights where I think Maurice Green needs to do all he can not to walk onto a big shot don't walk onto the big punch over the top don't walk onto the big front kick don't walk onto the even a big body kick or a leg kick like something like that and if you do walk onto a body kick or a leg kick especially a body kick which he throws very well catch him and put him against the cage catch him and take him down catch him and make him pay you have to do that you have to do it take your opportunities where you get to him and the biggest thing as well do not give Fahey the opportunities don't give him big opportunities don't give him big moments to win because that's where he wins these fights and that's where he always wins these fights it's in those big massive moments you know he's like a a lorry you know if if he crashes into you you're donezo the best thing is stay on the footpath stay away from him you know maybe slash his tires as he walks back as he goes past Saturday well he stops and you know put, put a nail under the tires and that's how you that's how you stop him you that's how you stop him you don't stand in front of a truck and wait for it to hit you you know and that is exactly that's the best analogy I've ever had that's exactly what Fahey is he really is he's an absolute uh an, an animal of a man an animal of a man you can't do that and you know green you would say then, Johnny. What, what what do you do with the offensive part for Green? Um, and that's a tough one. Maybe you play a cardio game, a longer game. Maybe you play to you know your strengths. He's been to a decision seven times. Now he's lost five of those. Granted, but play that game. Play it long. You know, run and run and run and run around, and hopefully he wills where you don't. When you're that much of an underdog, you have to do things like that. There could be three million quid on the line here, you know. There really could be. So I th- I think that's what you do. But having said that, <coughs> I fancy the front kick up through the middle. I fancy the big right hand from Fahey, and I fancy it. Uh, I fancy it early, if I'm being honest. Um, right, let's talk about the next heavyweight fight. This one uh, is almost the exact. In fact, it is the exact same. Minus seven fifty for Goldsav uh, Hederman plus. Uh, five fifty. Um, look, Hederman is is not a bad fighter at all. At, at seven and zero, oh, um, he went in there in the uh, in the last fight against Patrick Brady. Look, it was a knee injury, and in there pretty quickly in the first round. Um, you know, he'd beaten some good guys in LFA. I remember watching him going into that fight and thinking, well, you know, I I fancy I like I like Patrick Brady, right? But Patrick Brady is the type of guy who who like ass. I think he's, let me just check here again. I think he's around 39, yeah, 39 years of age. He's the type of guy who, with six fighting, if he delivered or discovered MMA, you know, 15 years earlier, could have been a very good fighter. But just when you go up against a guy who Hederman, who's, what, 31 years of age, it's it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. What I would say about him is he's a good, well-rounded fighter. You know, he he's a heavyweight so he hits hard granted he has good submissions um i think he has 
uh, I think he's three submissions in his record, yeah, and three different submissions. So he's a key lock, uh, an arm triangle, and a rear naked choke, which is good to see a little bit of a mix. So you're not, you know, you might look at someone's record and go, oh, well, he's won seven via submission and six of them a rear naked choke. And you know, well, look, don't let this lad take my back and it might be all right. But when it's that, you know, you know, it's it's a little bit different now. <laughs> The problem is here who he's fighting, right? And he's fighting Dennis Kolsov, uh, who is, you know, uh, one of the the best fighters in uh, in in the PFL ever. To be honest, he's he's absolutely brilliant. Still only thirty three years of age as well. Um, you know, he's taken everyone out in the last few years, I suppose, apart from the the two champs who are uh, Isev and Dalia. Um, since all the way back in when 2017, you know, he's beaten Jurgen De Castro, Cesar Fajaya, Maurice Green, he's beaten uh, Satoshi Ishii, Jared Rochalt, and, and many, many more as well. Even going back before that, you know, he was fighting the likes of James McSweeney, the likes of Paul, Paul, uh, Paul Abunatello, fear me, fear the consequences. Uh, you know, Mike Kyle and or Brett Rogers, you know, all the old school UFC strike force type of guys and beating all of them like on his way up. Um, and even in the early days, you know, he fought uh, Alexander Volkov. Uh, I think he started off his career three and three and had some, you know, very good guys in the middle of that. He fought, um, uh, who else did he fight? I don't know. He fought, he fought some good guys anyway in the middle of that. But uh, look, Golsov these days he's just strong everywhere he's a strong wrestler he'll take you down but you look at the Jorgen de Castro fight knockout with a punch you look at the Cesar Fajaya fight knockout with a punch both in the first round you know obviously Green went a little bit longer and did what he does I suppose more against Green than the other two lads and you'd expect it maybe to go a bit longer but having said that it's all you look at Golsov's record he's only six decisions and 31 wins you know only lost one decision 25 wins inside the distance and you know maybe maybe you don't necessarily always think that of him because he's you know he's gone to the decision instead of Maurice Green gone to the decision with Ante D'Elia in his last what two of his last what five six fights so um yeah five fights in fact uh but I think in this one if you're Hederman right you have to do all you can to kind of use your I suppose youth even though he's not that much younger than him you have to again uh, like I, I said in the last fight with, with Green like you have to kind of stay away from uh, from uh, Fahir. Um and when I stay stay away from him, stay away from maybe he's lint but like if you can get close up inside do it if you can take him down do it you know if you can make the fight a more grueling fight do it for Hederman the problem against Goldstone is you don't really have that option, do you? You're going in here against the guy who's knocking lads out in the first round, but is also happy enough to pull you to the ground and tear your arm off or ground and pound you or whatever he needs to do. Uh, what are what are the options for Hedman? Like, look, you're, you're a big, strong heavyweight. Your option is always to get a knockout. Your option is to get a takedown and get on top and submit him. But he's fighting Dennis Golsov here. It's just going to be so difficult for him. Uh, it's a it's a task that I don't think many people would uh, would like to have. Um, but look, he's there. He has that task now. And we'll see how it goes for him. I'm definitely going to be picking Golsov in that one, and uh, I think he will get the job done. You know, relatively early, I would say in that. Right. Let's talk about the. Um, 
as I like to call them, the women's heavyweights. Although they're featherweight this this year, not one, not lightweight. So maybe the women's light heavyweights. Uh, we have Larissa Pacheco and uh, Olena Kolesnik, and then uh, Marina Matikina against Amanda Lybrook. The lines for those two fights are massive favorite. Larissa Pacheco minus nine hundred plus six hundred for Kolesnik. Uh, Makathina, interesting. This might be a, this might be a little bit of a flyer here. We'll see, but. Makathina <coughs> minus 450 plus 325 uh, obviously these are coming out early in the week so these uh, lines can change keep an eye on them and uh, you'll see the updated lines on screen anyway my good my good man John Brannigan always gets the updated lines there um, look two interesting fights um you look at Elena Kaleshnik and Larissa Pacheco and look it's hard to see a way for Kaleshnik uh, to win that one um, she has been good over the last while. She had a great win over Aspen Lad. She had a great win over uh, Yoko uh, Higashi last time out. Uh, now the Aspen Lad one was, you know, a majority decision, and I, I do think she uh, she deserved to win it. But if you look at her record, like the last her last two losses are both to Larissa Pacheco, uh, and she's unfortunately drawn Larissa Pacheco again. Um, you know, Pacheco knocked her out. What was it in the first round? Uh, twice so look what does she need to do it's very hard she needs to tie up and and probably judo throw her and try her to try to get her to the ground uh, i think we'll have a similar thing in the second matchup which i'll talk about in a second but she's fought kayla harrison what four times <laughs> like you just you couldn't meet someone who has prepared for that game plan more than she has and now she the last time she did it was she was ultra successful doing it so what are your options here this is look this is as close to a guarantee as you can i actually like i think someone and i believe it was yeah it was lybrook that fought her last time i gave lybrook a bit of a chance going in there i picked her as my flyer of the week i think like plus 900 because she can land that one big shot and pacheco does eat that big shot the odd time so there is that but kaleshnik doesn't really have that in her either now she had look she has four knockouts in uh in her nine wins which is is a pretty good record but uh, all of them came in the first five fights of her career. All of them uh, has had none since 2017. You know, when she stepped up in competition and went to Invicta and then into the PFL, uh, it's going to be tough. It's going to be real tough. And that's, look, that the pick there has to be Pacheco. She's going to stop any advantages. She'll probably get a takedown, you know, and if she doesn't, she'll probably get a knockdown and on top and land a few shots of ground and pound. And uh, that'll be that, I would think, there. I don't think there's too much needed in that one. The Lybrook Makathina fight, though, could be a little bit uh, more. Just to give you the betting line on that again, minus 450 plus 325. Anyone who listened to my predictions earlier in the year, um, I gave, uh, I believe, and no, correct me if I'm wrong, but I gave Lybrook to beat um, Martina Gindrova, and she did knock her out there. Like, going back and watching her fights, I'm always very impressed. Like, even in a couple of her lo- a couple of her losing outings, she hits hard. She's big and tall and long for the division at five foot eleven. Makathena is only five foot six. Again, you know, you look at Makathena and you look what she does, and you probably think, "Oh God, you know, she's pretty useful." Judoka again, even more so than Kalashnikov. But then look, the division has been dominated. Or the division above, but that division the same thing. By Kayla Harrison for the last while, so like you can only get so far. Her way forward is going to be 
that way forward. It's going to be get her to get Lybrook to the clinch, judo throw her, take her down. She's won her last four in a row. You know, she beat Abigail Montez in the middle of that. Uh, it was Kayla Harrison again was the only one to beat her in PFL. You know, since she came over from Bellator in 2021, she's won every fight ever since. So she'll have to be. And and as the betting line saw, the big favorite coming in here. I just like Lybrook. Honestly, I like she's a live dog as a knockout artist underdog. She really, really is. Um, and we'll see when the betting odds come out later in the week. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I'll pick Lybrock. Go on. Go on. I'll go out and I'll go out on the limb here and I'll pick Lybrock. Look, don't listen to my don't listen to my picks. Please. If, may, may, look, I'm looking flyer here. I'm looking ahead to my flyer and this might be my flyer. Even when the odds out, if the odds come out of the knockout, the props aren't out yet. But we unless they are, hold on, let me check. Uh no, the props aren't are not out yet. Um so yeah, I but I, I just I, I fancy this year Lybrook to do something special. Now she did do something special, I suppose, uh in the uh, in the fight against Shindrova where people weren't expecting it. Uh not a totally dissimilar matchup here, you would say. Uh but look, Makathina is the favorite she's right to be favorite but i do as i said i do think uh, Lybrock is a live dog um <clears throat> let me read you the rest of the, the lines and uh, i will give you my quick picks for them uh i like daquan buckley uh, over louis sutherland he's minus 170 plus 140 we'll take a i'll read the, the lines first and then we'll take a closer look uh, maria mazar plus 190 Minus 240 for Caitlin Neal. Uh, Anthony Wint, plus 145. Avram Bali, minus 175. Chris Mixon, minus 260. Eddie George, plus 200. And then we have Ireland's Nathan Kelly at minus 275. Damon Nielsen at plus 215. Uh, also on the card here, I believe, uh, and there's there's no odds for it out yet, but uh, I'm looking here in Sherlock and Satoshi Ishii against uh, Danilo uh, Marquez is on this. And... You know, there's a good few heavyweight fights on this. The, the Wint Babley fight is also a heavyweight fight, and the Buckley Sutherland fight, a heavyweight fight. And I'm sure they're thinking, like, if someone gets injured here or whatever, we we will want someone to, uh, <laughs> you know, to, to step in. Uh, we all know Ishii now, uh, Satoshi Ishii, 30, what is he, 36 years of age, has been around for a long, long, long time. The former, uh, former Olympian, isn't he? Yeah, with a lot of submissions. And, you know, he hasn't fought since last year, but he did win last year and he won in 2021 as well. Lost to Stuart Austin. In 2020, and as everyone knows, like Stuart Austin, not the best fighter in the world, but he was in PFL before, lost to Golsov and lost to Jared Roshall. So we'll see how that goes, I suppose, fighting Danilo Marquez, the um, uh, the ex-PFL, well, current PFL fighter, but uh, ex-UFC uh, fighter who fought the likes of Kindi Njuku and uh, Jelton Almeida over there, uh, you know, has beaten Jorgen De Castro uh, this year. Marcelo Nunes as well, so it's good to see uh, that fight going. Uh, I, I think I think Marquez will probably have enough for him, but we'll, we'll I suppose we'll see on uh, on that one. Um, the the Sutherland Buckley fight, as I said, Buckley is the favorite there. Um, he uh, he's training out of uh, Scranton MMA. When we've seen a few fighters from there recently um, uh, on cards, I think uh, who's the one which I can't remember <laughs> exactly, but. Um, I remember seeing it only because of the office. <laughs> there you go. But um, yeah, Louis Sutherland coming over from uh, from the UK, and uh, you know he's not had 
the most fights in the world. He's had a lot of knockouts. And I suppose somewhat of an unknown coming in here. He was on the Challenger Series and got a knockout uh, there as well. So that's an interesting one. And I suppose as we look ahead to next year, we'll see who is going to be on it there. Uh, uh, Bally against Winton. Went only one fight into his career. Um, Abraham Bally coming over as well from, uh, from the UK. Uh, fighting out of Manchester top team who have a very good team up there. He had a couple of fights on the um, the Challenger Series as well. I uh, actually beat Louis Sutherland, the aforementioned, and, uh, you know, has uh, a pretty good knockout record, I suppose, in his career. And then we have Anthony Wint, who used to play for uh, the New York Jets, I believe, if my uh, reading of the jerseys on Sherdog uh, is correct. He made his pro debut in April, uh, got a big knockout there. He said three... Um, Fights as an amateur as well, so that should be uh, interesting to see. He, he's probably a, a good athlete, I would believe, there. But the one that stands out for me, actually, before we get to the, the one that stands out for me, Chris Mixon and, and Eddie George um, is an interesting one. Uh, George finding out of the Fight Arts Academy, he's 6-1 and one, uh, in his career, and, you know, four knockouts. A lot of guys here coming from the CES scene, and, you know, they're really turning into a great place to produce fighters, I suppose. Um, uh, Mixon has had his few shots on the PFL Challenger Series and taken them every time. He's won uh, both of them before he went out and he won a fight elsewhere. You know, he's a guy who's a finisher as well. I could see a knockout there uh, in that one. And I'm going to go for... Um, I'm going to go for Mixon to win that. But Nathan Kelly against uh, Damon Jackson, obviously a, a tad biased here. But look, the sounds of it all are that Nathan Kelly is going to be in a tournament next year. Um, and, you know, he's had a few opportunities now. He's getting on this. You would very much think he's going to be on the Irish card that's coming up uh, in December. Four-month turnaround should be absolutely perfect. Uh, watched a bit of, uh, of Damon Nelson. And you know what? What I would say is he's a good technical fighter. You know, he can fight all around. He's a good bit of a jab. Maybe not the most powerful guy in the world, although we've only, what, seen seven fights and he's a four and three record. So not the best record in the world. He's lost his last two, but, you know, I suppose he's been in there and went long and all of, it, all of them and always, uh, always competitive, undefeated as an amateur as well, 4-0 as an amateur. And I suppose... Maybe the opposite route has been taken from Nathan Kelly, who, you know, he was, don't, don't get me wrong, he was a good amateur and had some very good wins and very good fights as well. He beat Kieran Clark as an amateur, his team, and now he beat Jack Maguire, you know, one of the, the top uh, Irish uh, amateurs at the time, and Andrew Gould as well, you know, and he lost a few in there as well, lost to Richie Small and lost to uh, Shaib Yousav over in the IMAFs, you know, was, uh, but man, he's pro uh, debut and lost his first two fights at Cage Legacy and Obama back in 2017-2018 respectively um, and there's a big turnaround coming from there I remember I, I I watched him before his Bellator debut and he was 3-2 and two at the time and I remember thinking, and actually before that, he fought Shimrock at Clan Wars. And I actually, someone reminded me at the weekend that Shimrock was like the favorite coming into that. And, you know, he shocked a lot of people. And that was a massive turning point for him. Um, going into the Scott Pedersen fight at Bellator. Scott Pedersen, a very, very good fighter. Tough guy. Uh, and Nathan Kelly went in and he beat him. And I was like, okay, okay, here we go. There's a little bit of change. He had a, a fight over at Centurion. Uh, where he won that very well as well and then he came in and that Ben Ellis performance was really 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 good where he finished him in the first round and in the Zachary Hicks fight um, 
on the Challenger Series where he decimated him in what two and a half minutes. I don't think that was a fight if people were probably watching where he didn't take a punch. And this is a guy like you watch his first two fights and thinking, ah, you know, maybe, maybe he's going to be good. There's obvious talent, uh, talent there, but like, I don't know, does he? And then he comes out and he just win after win after win. But not even that, like, because that can happen. But performance after performance after performance, very good athlete, very good wrestler, calm, good jujitsu, striking is improving all the time. Now he's uh, six finishes. Uh, in his uh, seven fights, e- evenly spaced out between knockouts and submissions. Honestly, uh, uh, and I'll admit this because I'll admit I was wrong. Like I wasn't hopeful of Nathan Kelly as being one of the next big things coming out of Ireland. I really wasn't, but now I am. You know, and I think he is a very, very good fighter. And I'm looking forward to seeing uh, this matchup, and I'm looking forward to seeing who they maybe pair him with uh, in December as well. In the card I will be at over in Ireland, I'm definitely picking him. To win this one In fact I, 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 Spoiler alert I think this might be One of my bets of the week Because this uh, Minus 275 That's a fantastic price An absolutely fantastic price Alright I will leave it there Thank you to everyone For uh, tuning in um, It's uh, another good PFL card this week And uh, We will leave it there Before I go The people always giving out to me For Kind of Not giving my picks At the right time So I'm going to give All my picks right now So if someone says In the comment section I can tell them I'm going for Faheam I'm going for Pacheco, I'm going for Golsov, I'm going for Lybrook, uh, I'm going for Nathan Kelly, Mixan, uh, Babley, uh, I'll, I'll go for Mazar, the underdog there, a plus 190, and I'll go for uh, uh, Daquan Buckley as well in that one. All right, everyone, thank you very much for tuning in. My name is Sean Sheehan for Sherdog.com, and I'll see you all next time.